Welcome to Real Estate Unscripted, where each week we connect no-nonsense, let's get it done, realtors and lenders from across the country who want to grow our businesses and stay motivated with timely topics and experts in our fields. I'm your host, Marjorie Adam. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Real Estate Unscripted. I am very excited today to have a fantastic realtor from the Woodlands, Texas, Chase. I'm really excited because it's always fun. It's so important to talk to realtors and lenders that are actively in the market today that are thriving, succeeding, working really hard. Let's face it, we're working longer days than we have. That's a fact. But are really figuring out niches that work or continuing to just say, look, this is the market I have and I'm going to work through it instead of folds or say, gosh, this is really hard because it is, but we're going to suck it up, buttercup. So here's what we know about you. So first, you're a horse guy. Like you were a professional horse trainer for 23 years. Correct. I was in the Arabian horse business, raised in the business from about the age of eight and never thought I would leave it. Never did. And as we see in real estate market shift, horse market shifts, those are tougher shifts. So I just started thinking, you know, I'm working so hard and I'm just need a different avenue to generate more money for my household. On a whim, decided with my wife, I was like, I think I've got to get into real estate. I never have looked back. So it's interesting because you're you're a horse person. And I say that with love, by the way, but horse people are a special breed and horse people love horse people because it's a community, right? And it's something that you all really understand. And a lot of people are like, oh, look at the pretty horse. Like, it's not what I'm talking about. It's really just like dog people, right? Like, but on a different level, because with dogs, you can live anywhere. With horse people, there's farms and estates and land that's understanding barns. And this one's not really a barn. Well, it looks like a barn to me, right? It's just this knowledge that you have. So your dad was a land broker. So there was real estate and land. And knowledge and everything in your family. Your wife is still a horse trainer. So that's still very much part of your life. You were born and raised in Houston. You're in the Woodlands, Texas, which I know because Haley and people I know are there. So it's great. So that's how I automatically knew you were voted the number one place to live. So you've got a pretty thriving community. Your market, I think is pretty good. It's not the market of last year, maybe the year before. It's pocketed, right? Different price points are busier than others, which I think is very true nationally. I think nationally, we're all seeing a very big difference from last year, which is normal. Rates are up, but there's also the kind of feeling of the market's a little different. What's selling? So you traditionally million plus price point, but now kind of a little bit lower price point, still great. And we have to shift where the market shifts, right? So this is where when I'm always talking to, to realtors, I'm like, listen, it's great to have a niche and to specialize, let's say in a market, but you can't can't just live there, right? We can't just say I only sell million plus in this very small area because as the market shifts, we have to shift with it, right? We can specialize, we can niche, but I have to be prepared to help a large demographic of people based on where the market is at the time. So I think that you have done that, told me about 50% of your business is farm and ranch and 50% is, we'll call them normal houses, but you know what I mean, the non-farm and ranch market, which I think is fantastic. So One thing that I thought was important with you, it's lead generation, let's face it. It's not right now. Your business survives and thrives on lead generation in any market. In a market where it seems like everyone's moving, those leads come easier. I'm not saying they're always easy, but people tend to be moving more. Business is coming in often with not as much effort. That ain't right now. That's why people are struggling because that kind of incoming gravy train stopped. And then it's like, oh no, I've actually got a prospect. Yeah, it's your job. So let's talk about for you, some lead generation tips. Now, I'm gonna warn everyone listening, 
realtors and lenders, this is for you. You're going to hear these things. And your first thing you're going to say is, yeah, I know. I know this is not new. Well, you're not doing it, right? So to me, I think people are like, ooh, there's going to be this brand new sexy thing that Chase is going to tell us about with his very nice baritone deep voice, right? He's going to tell me this amazing new, nope, he's going to, he's working the basics and it's working, right? So the first one, open houses. People are going to be like, what is it, 1972? So one of your last open houses, how many groups came through? I did a two-day open house, 1 to 4 p.m., it's both Saturday and Sunday. I had 40 groups come through. Price point was just under 500. And it was a great atmosphere, honestly. There were a lot of buyers in there and they were serious. They weren't just window shopping. And we're lucky here in Houston that we do have a lot of industry here in Houston and a lot of big business here in Houston. And people like Exxon is moving their executives down here from Dallas to Houston. And so that's created some new possibilities as well. My open houses have been pretty consistent as far as getting good amounts of people through them here recently. And I think and you told me in the last couple of years, you've had about 14 transaction sales from your open houses, which again, if we're all thinking about, I'm not doing it and I would like another pillar to my business. Can anyone say that 14 additional sales is a bad thing? I can't, I'll take it. So there is a definite way to do and not do open houses, right? I think that the funny thing I see is people will do an open house. They ignore the people coming through. They're on their phone. Let me know if you need anything. That's the one way. It's sort of the passive aggressive, just walk yourself through. The second way is the Klingon, right? The realtor that has given the name to the people that are scared to go to the open house. They're like, oh my gosh, this person is like attached to me and just won't leave me alone and wants me to fill in 19 surveys, right? So I think you got to be the happy medium, right? So what have you figured out that works for you in connecting with people at open houses? I think you have to give everybody that comes in attention. And so the most important thing I do when a group or a person walks through the door is try to find a way to relate. Because honestly, they're going to go to maybe three to five open houses that day. And if you're just a stale realtor, don't show any of your personality. Don't try to relate to them. The second they walk out that door, they have no idea who you are. They're not going to remember what you look like and they're not going to care. And so like an example, I'm a huge Houston sports fan. So if a guy walks in with a Houston Astros cap on, Right there, I can relate to that guy. I wear Houston Astros caps when I'm not doing real estate all the time. Watch the games all the time. So that guy potentially is going to know what happened the game the night before. So I'll start asking him about the game. Did he watch the World Series last year? Did he watch us win? Like a lady comes in with their daughter or their kid. I actually try to relate to them with their children. I have a daughter. Where do they go to school? What's their name? I try to interact with the kid a little bit too. And I'll shake the kid's hand and pay attention to them as well. And it's not fake for me. If you do it fake, people will know it's fake. I truly want to know who this person is because there is a chance that I could convert them into a client. And so let's find out right now whether we could work together or not. Number one, find a way to relate the second somebody walks through a door. And also you had mentioned, so most people will just put the open house in the MLS. They will maybe post something at the office, whether that be online or literally post. But you really, I mean, I think we all do something on social media, but social media, for sure, you blast it on social media to get as much attention as you can get as well. So you're really doing everything you can to reach out to all those potential people to have them attend. 
I do tons of social media posts. I'll do some Facebook paid posts. One thing that's been very successful for me on Facebook advertising open houses, and I'm assuming they're everywhere, beg, borrow, and buy. So like your local area typically will have 10 different beg, borrow, and buys, maybe more than 10. So if I go to the Woodlands beg, borrow, and buy, if I put that in the search of Facebook, it'll pull up. 50 different ones for the woodlands. And so I just throw advertisements all over those things and also try to create conversations with people that respond to them as well. To me, it's not just enough to just throw something up and then not pay attention to it. You've got to respond. You've got to like a comment that somebody said. Sometimes people will just tag their husband or their wife in the post and I'll just put something like, great, I'm so glad you interacted with this post. I would love to meet you guys. Please make sure you introduce yourself to me when you come to the open house. So it's about making people feel like they're seen, heard, and special. So you're engaging with them as right. well. So beg, borrow, and buy, absolutely. Marketplace, wherever it may be that you know someone's going there to search, that's a great place to... And you know, again, signage, I think is important if you can put signs up early because people sure. do drive by. But I think there are things that are important. Like you're going to connect and then you're going to be 40 people through. You ain't going to connect with 40. 25 of them might have a realtor. Five of them are scared of you because you're a realtor and you just won't leave them alone, right? There's those people that are going to naturally sort of shy away as well. And we're not trying to collect 40 clients, right? You're doing an open house hoping you can get a client or two more is great, but it's like really connect with those people who would value your services. But the fact is open houses are working. Top agents around the country are doing them. So you said you do at least one a weekend on your own listings. You prefer doing your own listings. Why is that? I like to do my own listings. And I know a lot of agents throw their own listings off to other agents in their offices. But honestly, if I do my own listings, I can show off my work. And so I really try to set up my listings really well as far as the staging, as far as the cleanliness. I mean, little things like make sure the windows are clean. When people look out to the pool, they don't want to look through a cloud of dirt. Just the little details to make that house just sparkle a little bit more. So when that buyer walks in, the first thought is, boy, I'm going to have to do a lot to this house to get it ready for us to move in. I want them to think, wow, this is going to be easy for me to move into. And so by me hosting my open house, I can kind of show that off even a little bit better. Another reason I like to do my own listings is who knows more about the listing than me? When an agent does an open house that is not their listing, I think they need to know as much as that listing agent to be effective. You can't just look at the MLS listing once, walk into the house get asked a lot of questions and keep saying, I don't know. Yeah, You sound like you don't know anything. And so therefore, if I do an open house for somebody else, which I actually am this weekend, I'm going to know as much as that agent and I'm going to be able to answer those questions. And there's always going to be questions where you may not know. But my answer always to that is, I promise you all find out. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, there's some basics, right? Like, what are the average utilities? What are the HOA dues? Like, what about the house sure. down the street? You better have the other inventory, right? So can you show me this one? What internet provider do they have? The stuff that you have to know. Now, obviously, yeah, you're right. Someone comes up with a question. You're like, wow, that's a good one. I don't have no idea. But the basics, <laughs> how many square feet? How long has this been listed? Like the same stuff everyone asks is kind of a home information sheet questions, right? We call them. So it's like, you better know those. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because then it's sort of like, well, they don't know what they're talking about because the public also doesn't understand it's not your listing. If you know as little about it as they do, then you're clearly not a resource for them moving on. 
Right. So I always found that funny, right? When you walk in there, like, I don't know. Well, why are they moving? I don't know. Well, now why are they moving? You might not know, right? Funny part, why are they moving? Because they're moving. Well, why are they selling? Because they're separate. But I mean, it's like, I think they really think something's wrong, right? It's like they're expecting it to be, it's the sinkhole in the backyard. So I think that they, they kind of think there's this bad thing happening in the background. So having the answer of, well, they got transferred or they're moving to be closer to kids or whatever. It's some basics. Oh, makes sense. I just find that funny. Yes, they're moving because the house is do they want to move? Yeah. The same reason you're moving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, all right, let's talk about social media. Now, everyone else is like, Duh, social media, right? Like it's a necessary evil or a joy, depending on how people feel about it. But what some tips for you, you attract your tribe, right? So to me, it's like, I'm looking to attract people that would appreciate and enjoy me and relate to me and everything. I don't want to fight them the whole way. I don't want it to be this not strong relationship. But you said to me, I don't want someone else doing my social media. And it's a great point, but why? You see a lot of agents that hire companies or other people to do their social media, and you can automatically tell they didn't do it. It does not present who they are as a person whatsoever. To me, social media is the next best thing to show who you are as a person. And so I'm kind of funny. I'm kind of goofy. And I want to project that a little bit because, as you said, you're trying to get your own tribe, like-minded people. We all work with people that aren't like us, and we know how to shift to make it happen, but it is more trustworthy and fun to work with people that understand who you are. So because of that, I think you have to be consistent on social media. I don't think you should always just post real estate, real estate, real estate, because that doesn't show your personality either. Show your family, put a funny mean up, stay away from politics, all those things just to really project who you are so that buyers aren't or sellers aren't surprised at who they're getting. If they know who you are before they even give you a call, there's already some trust involved there. They're not trying to figure you out. They're just trying to figure out now how you can help them. And that's it. So you've kind of knocked one big blockade out of the way. And so from there, you can just move on and really get down and dirty with those people and get the job done. Yeah. I mean, I think you mentioned also find anyone and friend them, which is true, because I think we have our hundred people. I'm just picking a number and we just try to push everything out to them. And it's like, okay, those hundred people in theory know you. So it's all the other clients that aren't connected with you. It's the potential clients that have to reach you. It's not just ads to your small existing tribe. And it's also figuring out what ads can you put out to your potential tribe, right? So to me, it's that. And then you had also said like, this is a job interview and it's true. Your social media profile, now your personal one's a very different story, but your business one is very much, someone is stalking you, right? And, and not in a weird way, but hey, I've heard this person's name. They're going to Google you. They're going to go on Zillow reviews. They're going to go on your website. They're going to go on your social media. They're trying to see, can I connect with this person? Do they know what they're talking about? So really... That's why we have to have the mix of just listed, just sold because, hey, I'm active. I know the market. I didn't just do this five years ago, right? But also here's things that I like and I'm connected with and we can relate to and I support the community and everything else that's important to that person. And then they feel like they know you before they meet you, right? So that's why I think 
you've got to be engaging, but not annoying, right? So there's that mix of here's who I am as a person, which I think is important for connection. It's here's who I am as a person. Here's who I am as a business person. Here's how I can help you. I think all of that's important. So one thing you mentioned, and I'm guilty of this too, is not doing enough video, right? So you got to add more videos to your social media, but there's a balance there, right? I think there's also no video and then too much video. Like I don't need a video from you every single day, right? Because I've seen you, but what is relevant? So monthly tips and weekly staging advice, right? Something that I can tune into as I'm interested. Again, you're the expert, but you're not invading. I don't want to wake up at 7 a.m. and there you are, right? Like... In my face, yikes, her again. So I think there is the balance of you're real, you're an expert, you're available as a resource, but you're not annoying, right? So I think there's that mix of invisible and annoying that we need to master. I think a lot of people, it's one or the other. To me, it's not also about your own post on social media as well. You've got to interact with others that you have on your friends list or followers list or whatever, one thing I did when I got into real estate, I had already done these things in the horse business to generate some business as well. I went to, and I searched Klein High School, which is where I went to high school. And I wanted to see all the people on Facebook that had Klein High School stated on their profile page. And I found a ton of people that I hadn't seen or talked to in a long time. But we always got along 20 plus years ago. I won't tell you exactly how long. We always got along really well. So, man, I friended those people quick. And I'd write them a private message. Man, I haven't seen you in so long. It's so good to see you. How's everything going? With the intention of eventually mentioning real estate. But honestly, I just cared about them in the beginning. And it probably would pop up. Hey, what are you doing these days? Or, hey, I thought you were a horse trainer. Now I see you as a real estate agent. So... You can organically do things like that without looking like you're just contacting someone to get business in real estate. And I think that creates trust as well, too. I mean, I think that you have to be interested in the connection, right? Because if you're just contacting me to be like, hi, I'm a realtor. It's like, so is my friend. Meet someone and go, how many realtors do you know? Well, my mom's a realtor. My brother's sister's uncle's a realtor. My friend's a realtor. My neighbor's a realtor. There are realtors everywhere. This isn't like a realtor. Oh my gosh, I don't know anyone that's a realtor. Come on. So I think it has to be that connection because why do I care, right? If I haven't talked to you in 25 years and you just want to tell me you're a realtor, bug off, right? But if I'm like, oh my God, I remember him. Remember that party we went to and other day, right? Like it's like, oh yeah, wow, you've turned into a responsible adult. Who knew, right? Because most of the people you went to high school with and you're like, that guy's a a surgeon? (laughs) Ah, right? Like really? And that happens a lot. You're like, you're a doctor? Woo. Good on you, but who'd have thought? So I think it's that initial kind of reconnection. But again, if it's disingenuous, right? It's like the people we're going to get into like networking and events. And I always laugh. It's like, don't go to the Feline Society of America if you hate cats, right? I mean, I just think people, if you're not an animal lover, do not go, right? And people do this. I say this all the time and people are like, oh, who would do that? I can they do it, right? It's like, if you don't love kids, don't go to a kid's event, right? Like, so as we're heading into networking and events, what can you contribute? What do you want to learn? What are you interested in? How can you give back genuinely, right? Like I'm on several boards. I'm not there to pick up business. I'm just not, right? I don't even really talk real estate and I'm pretty involved in this board, but they come to me if they have questions. I am there to help. I am there to grow my connections. I'm there to learn and give back. And then naturally it can involve some real estate discussions. But if you go in these things thinking I'm a realtor and I'm just here to pick your business, right? I want business. That's not genuine, right? And I think people do know that. Not how you get business. 
It's right, a genuine right. connection with people, not annoying them. Nothing worse. Someone starts walking towards you and you're like, oh God, that guy, right? Like, here you go. He's going to just talk about real estate, blah, 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 right? Whatever the entity, whatever the business is, they're going to come up and you're going to be like, oh, because they're a walking billboard of sales, which is not what you're looking to be, right? right. So networking, you're in the leadership council. So you're super involved with your Keller Williams office, which is massive. There's like 450 agents or so. That's huge. So you're in a really big office. You're on the leadership council. At first, when you were telling me that, I'm like, that's great because you're giving back. But what it also does for you is it generates referrals. It does. There's definitely a vibe of being on the leadership council as being leaders of the office, for sure. And I'm kind of a ham for those kind of things anyways. So I like to be on stage up at the forefront of everything. One thing that a lot of agents, I think, make a mistake in is like an office like mine, there's a lot of activity, lots of activity, there are lots of agents. Haley just moved into our office. She's got a huge office in there as well. If people see you in there working consistently, trying to get leads, trying lead generating, just really hustling, and maybe you specialize in something a little different than they do, they're going to come to you because they see your hustle and they know that you're going to get the job done. And so if an agent specializes in million dollar homes in the woodlands like Haley, she actually may come to me like, hey, I've got this buyer, really don't know what I'm doing. They've got this kind of horse. They want this kind of land. Hey, do you think you could help me out with it? And I'll, will you give me a referral fee to do so? Those are great. I love taking referrals from other agents because they know I'm going to get the job done. And I can also work hand in hand with them as well to teach them what to do the next time this happens. So maybe they don't have to refer it. It's a connection. Me, but- because we think about it, and we're like, why would I want to hang out with a bunch of realtors, right? In my office, because in theory, they're my competitors and they are, but they are masterminds. Like we have groups in my office. How many showings did you get on your listing? And what offers are you seeing? And what activity right. are you having? And it's this synergy of beyond you. And hey, by the way, congratulations on getting this sold. It's this nice kind of community, right? Which is another community of people you can rely on and that can help you or you can learn from. So I think leadership council to me should mean your leadership. Like otherwise it's not well named. So I hope it's leadership, but what I mean, getting involved in your office, getting involved in your association, right? So whatever that may be that also, by the way, I think what people don't think about on the association is the affiliates. So everyone thinks, well, again, why do I want to hang out with a bunch of realtors? Valid point. I get it. But a lot of those events are also the lenders and the appraisers and the home inspectors and contractors and other vendors that we all need that we can make connections with as well. So I think it's not the first thing I can do based on everything I have to do, but there's absolute value in joining things like that. And then more importantly, like I said, being part of boards, being part of just different events that you are excited about, not only as a connection, but being able to get in front of people that, look, you can learn from, you can help teach. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you got to go meet people. But for me too, it's like, oh yeah, that person's awesome. I got to spend more time with them, right? They've got a great energy. Like to me, I'm very energy attracted. You're either an energy vampire or you're someone that I'm like, yes, let's talk more about that. Yes, you're a go-getter. And yeah, I want to learn that from you. Like I'm very much an energy attractor, right? And I'm a little crazy. So, I mean, I'm that for some, but I'm saying we attract that too. And you find these connections, you meet people you never know you'd meet. So I think right now, especially now, 
for the realtors, right? This hard now because it's spring. Spring is when we're trying to breathe, but they need to be thinking, I need to eat beyond this month, right? I need to eat all year long. So when we're looking for more leads, what events can I go to? What boards can I get involved with or community of things can I do, sponsor, help with, whatever it may be? I think that's very important, not only for our belonging to the community, but working on generating leads. Now, again, I'm not saying go join the SPCA because you're going to go hit everyone up for business. But I am saying the more involved you get, the more you care, the more you're connected. It all helps you just psychologically as well as in your business. So there's an exercise I really think everybody should do. I don't think most people do this. And it's really identifying your ideal client. Have you done that before? Have you done an ideal client exercise? I guess I probably haven't done it officially, but trust me, I think about it all the time. Yes. I but really I think, do. Right. I think lenders and realtors, really. As first, someone told me this, I don't know how long ago I did this, but it was like, huh, they have a post and they have a credit score and they have some money, right? Like it's pretty basic when we start, but it's like, that's not really the case. So I think identifying the attributes, right? Like they're kind, they're trustworthy, they're loyal, right? Those basics. Then if it's by price point geographically, but it's also they're motivated and they want to pay a realtor and they want to value how we do things. They appreciate our team, right? So I think once you start doing that, as you're talking about connecting with people in an open house, as you're talking about your social media, as you're talking about what other advertising or generating that you're doing, is what you're pushing out attracting that ideal client? So an example, the worst thing I think we do is available 24 hours a day. What? No, you're not. And I'm definitely not. So it's like when I answer every email at midnight, which I'm asleep, by the way, but if I am always answering things at 6 a.m., if I'm calling people that early, then what I'm saying is, please bother me now, right? So I think what we push out is what we attract. I think we have to be clear on that and then make sure what we say and what we portray does that. So I would invite you to do the ideal client exercise. We have it posted. All the team members know it. We did it together. Just like if you're not kind, if you call in and you call one of my team members a minion or you're rude to them, we are not going to get very far but it's done. Like, I don't care if you have a $7 million house, if you're going to be rude to people, we're not going to make it past the first phone call. So that's something that is a clear ideal client, right? Kindness, respect. I'm going to respect you. You need to respect me. So I think having that as an exercise done is pretty important because we kind of attract what we're willing to accept as well, right? I will work for free 24 hours a day is what's going to come your way. So just something for everyone to consider doing. Now, you're a realtor. Lenders have to meet you. They want to meet you, right? And because we are a symbiotic group here, but you guys, if the lenders don't succeed, the realtors don't succeed, right? So the biggest struggle lenders have is how to connect with realtors, right? They have to call us. They don't really want to, right? It's because we're scary, mean people. So we can be, let's be honest, but the worst that someone can do is hang up on you or not call you back, which is really, I mean, they're not going to like hit you with their car. <laughs> it's not that bad, but let's talk about I'm lender Marjorie now. And I want to reach out to realtor chase is someone I want to connect with. Okay. So I want to connect with you. I would love to have a 30 minute meeting with you, right? I would love to sit down in front of you. I would like to get to know you. I've heard great things about you. What happens if I text you and say, I want to meet you? More than likely, it's kind of going to get ignored. Being honest, because I think that that's a little lacks passion and a little cheap and easy, I guess I could say. I'll get a text from realtors or even lenders as well, where it's just like, hey, I'd love to meet you. I'm a lender. Here are the rates we have. 
They don't even put their name on the text. It's like, are you a telemarketer? Are you trying to steal my accounts? What are you trying to do? So to me, there is very little connection, at least initially, with a text message. Mm -hmm. I think it's a waste of everybody's time as a first way to contact. I totally agree with you. I have someone that will text me from another area. I don't know them. And it'll say, hey, I would love to connect with you, da, 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 text message, right? And then maybe a week or two, I'll get another text message. But I've never spoken to them and I've never met them. So to me, it's like, nope, not to be mean, but I don't respond. And I also think the message I get is you've just sent this text to 100 realtors. So I want to know you want to meet me, not a realtor. Right. So if you're a lender, I'm calling realtors today is the worst way to start, because that means you are this pack of sheep realtors. And if I could just pick one of you off like a wolf, then that's what I want. That's not I want to know you want to connect with me or why. So I get it. Big, scary realtor. But I'm just saying there's not a realtor I have talked to got Chase with me today that has said, oh, that sounds great. I'm just saying to me, it's the kind of I'm completing an exercise in a weak way. So. Just so you hear lenders, it's not what you should do. It might work out of one out of 50 people, but I'm not looking to be one out of your 50. I'm looking for you to join my tribe, right? Which means you're one of two, maybe one of three. I've got a great lender. It would be very hard to replace him. And I'm not looking to do it, by the way. And I'm very loyal to him and he's very loyal to me. But if someone then calls me, right? And says, so you're tougher than me. I've realized I'm fairly easy to connect with because if a lender will call me, and say, we work together with this person or this client of yours, if they find a connection, especially, right? If it's a connection through someone, and I would love to meet with you now, this is not the month. So lenders, another hint, don't be doing this now. We are busy, right? March, April, May going into June is not when you're trying to connect with new realtors. That's a fall kind of activity. So calling me now, yeah, I probably won't answer because I'm too busy, or I'm going to say, I'm sorry, I can't meet with you now. But if they call and are compelling, right? And seem interested in me, not just the number of realtors. I will meet with them. You, however, because I was going to like run through a call. Hey, Chase, it's Marjorie Adam. I'm a lender. I heard about you from the Smiths. They think you're fantastic. I've heard great things. I've seen your listings. I've followed you on social media. I'd love to connect with you. You almost start the interview then. I do. If we're being honest, I mean, it's kind of like trying to get a first date. I mean, it kind of is. And so like going back to the text, if I just text you up and I'm gonna be like, hey, you have no idea who I am. I think you're pretty. Do you want to go out? You're not going to respond to that. Phone call, if I were to do the same thing, I may listen to you for a second, but I do want to interview them right then and there, because as you talk about, we're really busy right now. And I need to see and hear something special about that person for me to block off an hour to go to lunch or to get coffee or something like that. If they're just like, hey, my name's Sally. I'm a lender. Yeah, I do a pretty good job. Hey, do you want to meet for lunch? There's a lot of lenders that could say that same thing. So what can you actually do for me? How passionate are you about this? If we're about to lose our funding for my buyer, are you going to be in this with me at 11 o'clock at night trying to figure out how to get this thing done so that my client isn't homeless? That's what I want to know. So if you're going to lead generate with me, I need to see something special on a phone call or hear something special, I should say. So you're tough. So again, so they need to come prepared because you said you literally ask them, well, so what makes you different? So why should I yeah. meet with you versus the 40 lenders that come into my office every week. So I think it's important for people to hear that because I think some people will go, well, that's a lot. No, it's not. Because the thing is, like lenders, 
in theory, you want the easy realtors and that's not the people that will just meet with you for any reason, but is that really what you want, right? So if you get a little pushback and make it through, that might be a relationship that's going to take you way further than just saying, sure. So maybe I'll start. I don't get many calls, quite frankly, but I might start, hey, Chase said, here's a question. But really, if you think about it, we're clear in what you want. So what you want from your lender partners, which you have great lender partners, you said you have an extreme trust problem when you meet with lenders, but you want a relationship that that lender is like you. They want to get it done. They're going to find a solution. There's always a way to get it done right? And they're in it with you, right? So if there's a problem, they are telling you from the beginning, they're involving you, they're fixing it, they're creative, they're honest if they don't make promises they can't keep, right? So you're very like, I'm in it, like I'm going to do everything it takes. Your expectation is that lender is going to do it as well while involving you the whole way. That's what you expect. Yes, ma'am. hundred percent. I'm not going to quit with my clients until the fat lady sings. I'm just not. And so why do I want to work with somebody that's not that same way? And so the trust factor comes in where I've worked with other lenders in the past where it's obvious. They're like, well, we've gone down this avenue and maybe one other, and I just don't think it's going to happen. So have a good day. And I hope you find a way to get your client a house so they don't have to live under the freeway. That doesn't work for me. It just doesn't work. And going back to that, how are you different than other lenders? It also can tell you how sharp and quick they are. Because if they're not asked that question very often and they stumble around, they may not be special or different. But if they can be sharp, we all script practice from time to time. We all have to learn how to respond to any interaction that could possibly happen. So I want that lender to be able to answer quick, sharp, and let me know that maybe that's how they're going to be when I work with them too. Anything new that pops up, they're going to be quick and sharp about. So I think a lot of people, it's like, well, here's our rates, whatever. I mean, today it doesn't matter because they change. I think a lot of times it's thrown up the vowels of the loans, right? I'm in Virginia, so like VHDA, VA, it's like USDA and conventional this. And it's like, yeah, you're a lender, right? So I don't care right yet, right? So it's like, why do I want to meet you? It's the same thing for us. Like we get interviewed all the time. They interview three realtors. Funny enough, most of them really don't have any questions. So it's like, but they want to know why you, right? Like at this point, hopefully they convinced they need a realtor, but why do I need you? You got to be able to answer that question. So it can't just be, I have great rates. Well, everybody says that. Right. So then let's flip this. If the lender calls you and I say, you're going to work with me because I will work 24 hours a day to get things done. I don't overpromise. I always deliver and I will make sure that your client has the experience that you're going to deliver on your side on the lending end. Would you meet me? I would want to find out more. If you're willing to say those things now, I'm ready to meet you and show me something else, maybe to prove it even more when we meet in person. So this is how my team works and how we get it done. This is how we're able to make sure that you're involved in every way. Actually, we have a great communication. We have a weekly communication. I'm going to meet with you and talk to you how you and your team want to be communicated with because all realtors are different. I don't want to be emailing you all the time if you don't care. We'll make sure we understand the benchmarks of the loan process that you want to be especially involved in. We're going to make sure you know about it. If there's a problem, which there won't be because we're going to vet it from the beginning, you will know before anyone else and we will We'll get this done. You want to be my lender? <laughs> I'm just saying lenders. I would hire I would hire you right now. Right. But it's the same when we go into the a listing appointment, right? I can't be like, I'll take photos. 
my God, the new iPhone 78 takes great photos. Like I'll do a flyer. Yeah, that's like year 2002. Like why you, what are you doing differently, right? And open houses, I can say it, but other people do them. Here's how I do open houses differently, right? Here's how we market your home. We'll do a full walkthrough video. We will do a drone video. We will do this. We're going to advertise to these people. This is the niche that we can get you in front. Again, you can't just say social media. Here's where we're going to post to. Here's examples. Like we have to be prepared. We're going to help you get your house cleaned. We are going to have pre-inspection. What is it that is different, right? It's the same thing for the lenders, right? So I think we don't care about your rates yet. We don't care about your products yet because we don't know you, right? So just like that There's client- hundred lenders us, that can give us the same rate. Yes. There's a hundred of them, right? Right. Yeah. So to me, okay. So lenders step up your game when you're making these calls. And like, again, Hey, if there are any realtors that says, please text me, we'll let you know, but I don't have one yet. Now, that doesn't mean we're in relationship right now. We're all busy. Hey, can you do coffee next week? You and I, like, I know you super well. Can you meet for coffee? Sure, text me. Hey, got to call you later. There's this issue where your client is not responding. Yes, text away. Just checking in on you. Send me a funny meme all day long. When we're in relationship, text me, of course, because by the way, I can be like even recording this, which I'm not, and go, hey, recording a podcast, text you later, right? So that's fine. We're not saying never text. We're saying though, if you're trying to launch a relationship, it's not by text, right? Because that's sort of the coward way, right? That's the sort of want to meet you, but I'll try someone else because you're scary. So I'm just trying to help the lenders out there. Good rule of thumb. If I don't have you in my contacts of my phone yet, don't text me as the first way to contact Ooh, me. That's a good one. Write that one down. Actually, that's probably for all of us. Also, so a couple more things for the lenders. Yay. Consistency. I also think there has never been like, you don't one time date. Like I, I don't go out, like I didn't date my husband once and then married him the next day, right? You don't get to do a one time date. And then, oh my gosh, Marjorie was so amazing. I am all my business is going to her because she's so fan. I'm cutting every relationship I've had. I've met her once at coffee. It's done, right? So I think one great meeting means you follow up, right? And that follow up may not be as quick as you want. Again, we're busy. So I may love you, but I'm now swamped for the next 45 days. You've got to find a way to first acknowledge the meeting. You should always write a note. I'm sorry, it's old school, but you took the time. Thank you so much for meeting with us. If you brought me a little gift, which you don't have to do, I would send you a thank you note. Then it's, she loves this book. We both said we wanted to read it. I'm gonna send it to her and say, hey, let's set up a meeting. When you're not busy, we can go over this book. Or you said you were having problems with making this up horse financing for a hundred acres. So, hey, this is a solution that might help your clients. Let's get together soon when you can, right? You've got to have a follow-up or he's in this Keller Williams office. They're about to have a chili cook-off. I'm going to go to the chili cook-off. Hey, can I help with preparations? Is there anything you guys need? Again, let's stay in touch, not stalkerish, but this one time, hey, most lenders, like I met a realtor. I thought it went really well. I didn't get any of their business. Well, really? Was it like two years ago? You called the farms, yeah. right? Like seriously. So it's again, there's that balance between stocking and no follow up. But understand, guys, that initial one time meeting going well means it's sort of a second date. It's a second meeting. It's a second chance to connect. And I think a lot of people are like, or they're like, oh, they didn't call me back. I quit. Well, I mean, again, it's it can be rude certainly, but it can be that we're in spring market and frankly, we're buried right now, right? And also doing many things. And so that phone call is on our list, but it just hasn't reached the top yet. Also, 
I think communication is important. So we talked about exhausting options. Like for you, it's like, they better be in it with you. They have to have the passion you have. They want to work with you. Then they have that same drive to get this done that you do. There's no excuse. Obviously something changes. Somebody loses a job, something, oops, they forgot to tell you about the second home they owned, right? This stuff happens. That's not the lender's fault. But I think being honest, you also said like at the qualification right? For one of your pet peeves is a lender overqualifying, right? Saying, oh yeah, they can do this and oops, maybe they can't. So I take it to promising which you got to deliver what you promise, right? So you listen, for me, if this person can't buy a house and I'm sent them to you, do not go, well, you know, if the unicorn and the sun and the rainbow and the stars and six planets align, we can make this work. You better tell me, right? Because if I'm out there working and then they can't do it because you knew from the beginning, that's the kiss of death. So you nip in the bud quick, right? For me, it's like, I'm super sorry. I can work with them for the next six months and we're going to work with them on whatever their credit or getting this off this or whatever they need longer employment. We'll work with them, but in six months they can buy, I'm staying with you, right? But we can make this work and then whoopsie daisy, no. And I think too many people haven't learned that. It's like, I, I want to impress you at the beginning, but then you're going to lose me in the end, right? Tell me the truth at the beginning. Some other lender said they could do it. You be the lender that says, not a chance. I'm sorry. I know you have another pre-approval, but based on guidelines, there's not a chance. Then you get me, right? Then I know this other person was not telling me the truth. So I think that's important. And then communication. So if you're working with your lender, what communication do you like? What do you want to hear or expect to hear from them? I just want to know what's going on. And I don't want to have to beg for the information. I realize there are times where I don't need to be on a three-way phone call with the lender and client because they need to talk in a private way about their financing. Maybe it's something they don't want me to know, but I just need to know what's going on. I don't want a surprise where my client calls me up and be like, oh yeah, I talked to my lender three days ago and we're having trouble with this, this, and this, and we may have to terminate if I can't get this fixed. Wait, what? Why didn't the lender call me to tell me about these problems where I can put my head into the mix and try to help everybody figure this out. So communication is huge. And as I told you, I don't necessarily need my lender to call me every time they talk to my clients or anything like that, but it takes five seconds to text somebody. Just send me, hey, I talked to your client. We had a little problem with this. I'm getting it worked out. Or, hey, can you offer up some advice with your client on this? I think I have a solution, but give me your opinion about it. I mean, just simple things like that where I can respond back in five seconds as well if I'm busy. But I just don't like surprises. I don't like things being hidden from me. And I do find that some lenders do feel like they have complete authority to do anything they want with my client and not tell me about it, where at least let me be a part of the process and let me know what is going on and if we are having trouble. And I think some of that is that communication with the lender at the beginning too. If you want to work with me, it's like, first, who do you communicate with on my team? Well, first is Brittany because she's my director of closings. And so she is paramount. Of course I am. But then if you're going to call me and tell me this whole big story, and then I'm in the middle of something, and then I got to remember to tell her because we got to get to the client. That's not the best use in my team. Right. And then I don't want to hear, oh, loan commitments late because they didn't get me documents. I assure you, one phone call for me, you're going to get your documents. So they didn't make loan application in five days. Need to know that. I will make sure it happens. They haven't got me what I needed. We're still waiting for this. By the way, snafu with this. The appraisal is late. It's just that it doesn't take long. Right. And again, I don't need to know their inner workings. I don't need to be at that application meeting. I do, if there's a problem, want to know. So I think it's just knowing with 
the realtors they're working with, how they want to be communicated with, just like your clients. One of the main questions we ask our clients, do you want us to communicate with you by phone, text, or email, right? What's your preferred method of communication when possible? Now, details are always an email. We always, if it's next steps, it's an email because they can't say they didn't get it or they didn't know. Because if I talk to okay. you, not your wife, and you don't tell your wife, then your wife doesn't know, right? And then I got a problem. So to me, those major benchmarks are a phone call, but an email. That way there is, hey, I did read this. Yes, you did tell me that, right? But I think knowing how we want to be communicated with is important. And so getting to know your realtors individually, because we're all different. I mean, everyone is different, but the realtors are too. Don't communicate with me. Communicate with me this way. Only tell me this. Don't tell me that. Call me every second of the day, right? We're all different. So if they want to have a relationship with each one of us, then there has to be the ability or the the knowledge of how we need that information, how control freak we are really, right? And a lot of us are, but that's going to make that relationship work. And that lender relationship with the realtor is going to stick, right? Because we're not forever chasing you down or frustrated or what do you mean you didn't get this, right? So I think there is a lot of that, that I think that lender-realtor relationship that is so important can be improved just with a few more questions or setting something up at the beginning so that they know what we want and like we do with our clients. So appreciate you being here today. I think that you shared a lot that's going to help the realtors with, again, going back to the basics, but that's the market we're in. So back to the basics, getting the work done. And then with lenders, some tips on communicating with realtors, how to reach out to realtors, which is key to success. I mean, they need us. You lenders need us whether you want us or not. So at least different ways that it works for different people, I think is important if something's not working for a lender in this market or any market. So I want to thank you so much, Chase, for joining me today, being on Real Estate Unscripted. I really appreciate you having me. This has been a blast. I've really enjoyed getting to meet you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Well, thank you. And hopefully we will talk again soon. Yes, ma'am. Let's do it. Real Estate Unscripted is sponsored by Alcova Mortgage. Alcova is committed to simplifying the mortgage process. Check out the tools we offer to realtors and homebuyers at alcova.com slash realtors. Alcova Mortgage, equal housing lender, NMLS ID number 40508, org. Before we go, please show us some love by subscribing on your listening platform of choice and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you share this with your friends and be sure to listen in next week. Until then, this is Marjorie Adam. Don't forget to check out the show notes for a recap. This podcast was made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support.